Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. If you have ever spent time studying any of the Islamic sciences, one of the patterns that becomes clear is the attention scholars in the past gave to documenting principles, axioms, rules, aphorisms, etc. In almost every discipline, you will find these catalogued, all with the aim of making the study of that particular discipline easy. So, rather than always having to start with a minutia and then making sense of it, students typically learn these principles which provide important frameworks to make sense of it all. Now, while these principles are usually for students and experts of these fields, I believe that many Muslims seeking to make sense of Islam require their own set of first principles through which they can approach Islam as a religion and discipline of study and also draw conclusions that are both at one with the fundamentals of the faith and also compatible with our current condition. In this series, and at this point, I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to be, but I will say at least 10 episodes. I want to highlight some of these first principles that help us create a mental framework through which we can make sense of Islam today. Enjoy. So one of the meta themes that we have and a tool and a resource is the splitting of various rulings in the Sharia, meaning that uh, an act would be, we could apply to one single act, rather than one ruling, we can split the ruling, maybe two ways or three ways, out of necessity. And this is, as all the principles might sound a little abstract, so let me highlight this with a, with a story that is theoretical. I mean, it's, it, it's going to sound crazy, but a lot of times in the Sharia, we create crazy stories to emphasize the point. So this is just a made-up story. Uh, it's a theoretical story that explains what does this concept mean of splitting a ruling. So in this made-up story, we have a man, a young man who grows up in a village somewhere in the Muslim world, the Muslim-majority world, and in the village and in village life, uh, it's very traditional and very patriarchal and all of those things. So the man's father, uh, he, uh, this young man rather, he, he, he likes a girl so he gets married. But the, the young man's father says, no, you have to divorce her. So he obeys his father and he divorces her. So uh, you know, some time passes, he finds a second uh, wo woman from the village, he marries her. The same thing happens, the father says, no, you need to divorce her. So he, he obeys his father. And then this happens a third time. 
and then he divorces this woman a third time. So by this time, the young, the young man is a little bit scarred from the whole marriage thing. You know, he, had, he married and divorced three women because his father told him. So in this theoretical story, our theoretical young man leaves the village and goes to the city, away from his father and his parents, etc. And he finds a decent Muslim family and a young girl from a decent Muslim family. And from his perspective, you know, it's husband, wife, daughter. Uh, very simple. He asks for the girl's hand in marriage. They agree, and he gets married. Away from his father and away from that nonsense of having to marry and divorce based on his father's whims. Some time passes, and this man comes to the city to visit his son. Now keep in mind, in this made-up story, this is, let us say, a couple hundred years ago. So this is before you know, digital uh, documents and e-government and all of these things. And you'll see why in a second. Again, I mean, I know this sounds very embellished, but I'm going to get to the point very quickly. The man, the father, comes from the village to the city to visit his son. And he meets his daughter-in-law for the first time. But when he sees this woman, his daughter-in-law, he kind of pauses. He's like, what's your name? And she says, you know, my name is Zainab. And he's like, who's your mother's name? Who is your mother? And she says, oh, my mother is Fatima. And the man tells his son, this girl is my daughter. Because many years ago, I came to the city and I met a woman named Fatima. And we had a girl and we named her Zainab. Okay, I know, it's just made up. Relax. But actually, this story I didn't make up. This is actually a real theoretical story in the books of fiqh with the Shafi's. So what is the issue that we have before us? The issue that we have before us is that this father claims that this girl is his daughter from another woman, of course. Meaning, if we take the father's argument at face value, means that this girl is the half-sister of the man that she got married to. But the man, the, the, the young man who's married, he swears to his father, he's like, no, I know her parents. I've seen her parents. And the reason I said that this is like, let's say 200 years ago plus, is because there's no way of verifying. You know, you can't go to the county and you know, get the birth certificate or you can't go online. There's no ancestry, you know, take a swab of your whatever and send it in and they tell you who you relate. Those things don't exist. So there's no way of verifying. The, 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 <clears throat> the point of the theoretical story is we cannot verify. Now, from the Sharia point of view, we have a disaster of a situation. Whose opinion or whose narrative do we take as true? Do we take the father's uh, story claiming that this girl is his daughter, therefore this, his son married his half-sister? Do we take that as true and therefore we have to force a divorce? And by the way, I forgot to mention that in our theoretical story, when they married, they had like a couple kids. So now there's a family. It's not just like a recent marriage. It's a husband and wife with like, let's say two kids or three kids. Or do we take the story of the young man who swears that this is his wife and she, he's not related to her, he's met the parents, but the father-in-law that he met has like since passed. So there's really no way of verifying. The point of the theoretical story is that there's no factual way 100% of verifying it. Okay, now you can all, we could do a DNA test. Okay, I understand all of that. But in our theoretical story, we can't. 
So I can, we can control the parameters of our theoretical story. So the fuqaha, this is where they invented this concept of splitting the ruling. And they said, no, here we will split the ruling. We will take the father's story to be valid up to a point. And we will split, split it down the line and we will take the son's, the young man's story up to a point. We will take the father's side of the story up to the point that we will say, okay, he, she is his daughter, so when he dies, she can inherit from him. But that's all we will take from that lineage. And we will not affirm that she is his daughter vis-a-vis the marriage. And we will take therefore the young man's story to be true, that she is not his daughter, that the father is mistaken, because he has met the father, but he has since, his father-in-law has since passed away. And then therefore she is his legally wedded spouse that's not related. Now, I know this sounds overdramatic, and you might be thinking, well, what's the point? Well, the point is, is that in life, not everything is going to be black and white. Not everything is going to be so simple. That there are situations in which we have this complex matter. And the Sharia is one, to my knowledge, maybe the only legal system that allows this way of thinking, of splitting the way we would rule on an aspect. So meaning, from one aspect we will take this half of the ruling, but from the other aspect we will take this half of the ruling. To preserve the family, if there indeed is a family. To preserve the lineage, if there indeed was lineage. But to not take one story completely 100%, therefore to negate the other side. And this unfortunately, while it's an extremely important legal tool, it's very understudied. And this is one of the principles that we need to sort of push a little bit more for use. Because in the, in the age in which we, we are now, actually this type of story, who's related to who with, with um, uh, uh, what are they called? Milk banks, I think, uh, breast milk, breastfeeding banks where women can, can get breast milk but that are belong to other women. That creates a problem for us because from our perspective that establishes lineage, establishes nesab. So what if somebody comes, grows up like that, not knowing that that's a problem or they were not Muslim and they became Muslim. So this actual theoretical situation is maybe not so far off in the day and age in which we live. But other than the, I, I, we use the marriage, well I use the marriage example because it existed so I didn't have to make up a crazy situation. But I'm sure we could think of other situations in which the resulting act could be so complicated from two or three perspectives that we need to find a way out. And the Sharia therefore does not limit itself to giving one ruling on something. That we have the flexibility of bifurcating a ruling in the way that we described. So the splitting of a ruling is a very important principle within the Sharia. A very important principle that we have and it underscores for us the flexibility that, the, that Islam provides us and also the ingenuity that the, that the fuqaha and the ulama before us had. Because they tried to contemplate what would, could be complex and, and impossible. And therefore how can the sharia is always looking for a way to make things easy, to make things permissible, to allow things to continue the way they are if they've under, undergone. Now, had in our theoretical story the man proposed but not gotten married and then this story happened, 
we probably would have said, okay, let's take a test or let's take the fathers because the, the harm that could ensue is too great. But in the theoretical story, notice how we talked about something that's already happened. So again, th this exercise of splitting a ruling would change in the beginning of an act versus midway through an act or after some time has passed. A little wacky, I, I, I admit, but nonetheless a very important principle that we have and deserves a little bit more uh, study and reflection. We'll <laughs>